Hello, this is Stephen Igo. You are listening to the Monarchist Podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Mike. And you're listening to the Monarchist Podcast. This evening, we're joined by Greg Medea, the UVA sports beat writer for Charlottesville's Daily Progress. Greg, welcome to the best and only ODU podcast. Yeah, Aaron, Michael, ha- happy to be with you guys. Excited to talk football. A big game this weekend in Charlottesville that probably a lot of people in the state are excited about, so it should be a good one. Yeah, we, we can't wait to get up there and start the celebration. So, Greg, thank you for joining us. You're a New Jersey native, a West Virginia grad who covered the Mountaineers pretty extensively, followed up by our rivals, JMU. And you're now approaching your one-year anniversary covering the Hoops. How's Charlottesville treating you? Yeah, I, I have to say I'm really enjoying it. You know, the, the, the team at UVA, it's been an interesting time kind of coming in at the same time the new coaching staff at UVA has come in. And I always think that's a, that's, that's a nice timing if, if it can work out. Uh, the same thing happened when I was on the James Madison beat and, and Mike Houston was hired there. So it, I, I feel like that's a, that's a good building block, good starting point to kind of you know, wipe the clean slate and, and everybody starts fresh with each other. So I've really enjoyed it. You know, it's been a nice, you know, a nice, a nice move over to Charlottesville covering Virginia. All right. So back in 2016, when this series was announced, this year was supposed to be the final game. But with COVID, the 2020 home game for ODU was pushed back to 2028. What's the overall fan reaction to this series? And are there any murmurs in the UVA administration about increasing the series? Yeah, I think it's interesting, right? Old Dominion's done a really good job of scheduling. And Ricky Ronnie had mentioned that earlier this week during a Sunbelt call that he really likes what, what Old Dominion has done with, with Liberty on the schedule. Of course, they play James Madison in the Sunbelt now. The two are in the same league. And then they have Virginia Tech, quite right, a 10-year series with Virginia Tech, which is just awesome, I think. Now, you know, continuing this series with, with Virginia. Uh, I think Tony Elliott, the Virginia coach, I had asked him during his press conference Tuesday, about whether, you know, kind of just what he thinks of his scheduling philosophy. And he, he had mentioned, you know, James Madison, school they wanted to play. You know, you got to win the state is, is kind of how he put it. And I think that's really nice and refreshing when Power 5 coaches are like, you know what, go on the road, go play somebody or, or host a group of five school in the state, right? I think sometimes those mid-major programs get get put in a tough spot when, when bigger schools don't want to play them. So I think that's an encouraging sign if you're an Old Dominion fan or a James Madison fan or even even Liberty or somebody like that, that, you know, Virginia's willing to play a group of five team. Heck, they're going to go to Coastal Carolina, right? In a, in a couple, I think two years, three years, I can't remember off the top of my head, Coastal comes here this year to, to Charlottesville. So to me, I think that's an encouraging sign if you're an Old Dominion fan, right? Yeah, well, maybe we can get Tony Elliott to talk to Tony Bennett, you know, <laughs> get, get some basketball going on. You know, they the basketball, they they played in Harrisonburg last year and it didn't didn't go well for UVA. But he I, he had said that, you know, he was pretty flexible because when he was a, a player at, at, at a mid-major, you know, he, he he had opportunities to go play against big schools. So I think that's that's kind of interesting. All right. So Tony Elliott came to UVA with a pretty impressive resume and he's clearly motivated donors to get more involved with the project's UVA has announced since his hiring. What other changes has Coach Elliott brought to the Hoops? 
Yeah, I think, first of all, from a recruiting standpoint, there's been more emphasis on recruiting within the state of Virginia. I know that is something the old staff, uh, you know, they, they, had, they had not, I wouldn't say overlooked, but they hadn't succeeded in the state probably like it had, it would have liked to. Of course, UVA has got some unique academic challenges, but Tony Elliott thinks that, that they, can find, they can find players within the state to play at UVA. And I think he did a good job. His staff did a really good job of outreaching to the high school coaches early, early on. Initially upon his hiring, they got out to the high schools within the state. And I talked to some high school coaches that said, you know, it was their first visit from a Virginia coach in three or four years, whether a head coach or an assistant coach. So, you know, that, that to me is an encouraging sign because there are players to be had in Virginia, right? You shouldn't have to go to Texas or California to find a kid to play at UVA. You should be able to find them within Virginia and within the Commonwealth. So I think that is is encouraging if you're a Virginia fan, and that push is starting to be made. I think from a program standpoint, obviously, what you're seeing on the field looks different. The defensive scheme is much different under the new defensive coordinator, John Rodzinski. The offense they're figuring things out. <laughs> They're trying to be more balanced. It's it's a work in progress, but the the schemes are different. So there's that, and then there's this emphasis on learning how to win. And you've heard it the last couple of weeks as as Virginia's settled into its regular season is that this team they don't have the habits that that Elliott is used to seeing at Clemson, right? They that that's a perennial powerhouse program it's a blue blood now i think you can i think it's very safe to call clemson a blue blood at this point with what they've done over the last decade and to me i think that is a really interesting point because i i saw it when i was on the james madison beat what that looks like that the championship mindset that attitude with players and coaches and how they work and approach practice day in and day out and virginia's trying to learn that now with elliot and 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 his staff and but really with him and, and his background, having come from that at Clemson and understanding what the day in, day out looks like, not just showing up on Saturday expecting a victory. Yeah, we've certainly seen the understanding of the process of winning. Obviously, Ricky Ronnie coming oh, yeah. from Penn State and the other places he's been. Big atmospheres, big environments, history of winning. We saw last year with the team starting off slow, one and six, and then the team figuring out and learning how to win. It's interesting when you learn how to win, it's almost like you don't know how to lose. <laughs> so it's a really important process there. So you know, UVA comes into this game, same record as ODU, one and one. Beat FDS University of Richmond 34 to 17. Dropped last week's road tilt against Illinois 24 to 3. What's your biggest takeaway so far in this young season? I think it's that the defense is ahead of, of the offense in two units learning brand new systems. I think there's an understanding and a, and a confidence growing with Virginia's defensive players about what they're doing on defense. And that's something they didn't have last year in 2021 when they were giving up lots of points week after week. They, they understand and they, they know what John Rodzinski, the defensive coordinator and those defensive coaches are asking them to do. He's got a complex system, but he's really pared it down to be simple uh, and simple enough so that players can play fast. And I think you're seeing some of the benefits of that. Uh, there's been an emphasis on the fundamentals of tackling. The tackling is better on defense. And they're forcing turnovers. They forced four turnovers the other day at Illinois and Champaign. Uh, really gave the offense multiple opportunities to take a lead and, and stay in the ball game. 
The unfortunate part for Virginia was the offense couldn't take advantage of good field position and added possessions. So I think the defense being ahead of the offense is the takeaway early. And I think on the offensive side, the, the primary concern is, is kind of what everybody thought it would be going into the season. That's the offensive line. Five new starters up front for UVA. And when you got five new starters, you, you kind of know it's going to be a work in progress. And, and Virginia's got to figure out how maybe to mask some of those issues up front on the offensive line, whether whether through scheme or through different combinations, they're going to have to figure something out because they have this great quarterback, left-hander Brennan Armstrong, but if he's got pressure in his face every single week and he was sacked five times this past Saturday, it makes it tough for him to do what he he's really good at, and that's throwing a football. So, Greg, you kind of led us into this next question. Brennan Armstrong came into the season with sky-high expectations. He was voted in a tie for fourth in preseason ACC Player of the Year. However, at this point in this young season, he has a QBR in the 30s. The offense failed to find a consistent groove against Illinois. They went one of 16 on third down. Just brutal. Clearly, this is a small sample size, and a lot can change weekly. But do you see this as merely a symptom of playing with a new offensive line, as you mentioned, and a new system? Or is this something fans should be concerned about moving forward this season? I think it has more to do with the O-line and the learning and confidence in a new scheme than anything else. I think Brennan is still as talented as he's been the past couple of seasons and can sling the ball with, with the best of them. I think what they're looking for from him is maybe a little more leadership and instruction with the wide receivers who he has established chemistry and success with. So I think they're looking a little more from, from him in that department. But I think until Virginia figures out exactly what it's good at on offense and how they're going to protect Brennan Armstrong, then, you know, it, it, it could be tough. I, I think on offense, they're still trying to figure out exactly what they, that identity is going to be, Right. Tony Elliott wants to run the ball a little bit more than Virginia has in the past. Des Kitchings, the OC, is in line with that. They want to be more balanced. Kitchings' background in the run game is the wide zone. Elliott's background in the run game is gap and gap counter schemes that he ran at Clemson. So you're merging two different run backgrounds together. You have a quarterback that played in an air raid offense last year and threw the ball 50-plus times a game, right? And you have receivers that are used to catching a lot, a lot of passes. And now you're kind of molding this identity all together. And that's a, that's a lot of moving parts, right? That'd be a lot of moving parts for, for any program. And then you throw on top of it that you're doing it with five new starters up front. So, yeah, there, there are going to be some issues and some kinks to be worked out. I, I don't think they're they're unfixable or I don't, I don't think they're, they're, they're issues that will sit there the entire season. That offensive line, I think, will get better as the year goes along. It's just how fast can they get better so Virginia can figure out what it's really good at on offense. That's at least my opinion. All right, so let's move to the defensive side of the ball. A couple minutes ago, you mentioned four turnovers forced by UVA against Illinois, and they did a pretty darn good job forcing Illinois into less than 33% success rate on that third down. If I remember correctly, the first four defensive series ended in like a, a fumble and interception and two three and outs, which is you know pretty damn good. What do you think the biggest catalyst to success on that side of the ball is? And is there any particular part of the field that you think ODU should be scheming around? 
I think what's really helping them early on this year is the depth of their defensive line. They brought in a four different defensive line transfers. So they go about eight, eight deep on the defensive line. They brought in Cam Butler from Miami of Ohio who had a strip sack last week at Illinois. Jack Camper from Michigan State, he's involved heavily. He, he kind of plays in a platoon with Chico Bennett. Uh, who was healthy finally for for UVA after missing his first season after transferring from Georgia Tech. Bennett had a sack last week. Camper's been involved. Devontae Davis is a defensive tackle transfer from South Carolina. He's probably a second, third guy off the bench on the interior of the defensive line. And then you throw in Paul Akiri, another edge player from the FCS level at Columbia. Uh, so that defensive line group is deeper, and you saw them start to get to the quarterback last week. Uh, against Richmond in week one, Richmond was more, you know, three-step drop, get the ball out. So <laughs> hard to get to the quarterback at times against the Spiders. But this past week when Illinois was dropping back, those guys were getting there and, and putting pressure on it, which I think is, is an encouraging sign for UVA because that's what was that, – that was the intent when they brought those guys in, upgrade the pass rush and – and be a little bit better against the run. You pair those four with with Famui, Aaron Famui, who's been in the program for a long time. He's done a nice job. Same thing with Jameer Carter and Ben Smiley. And all of a sudden, that, that defensive line is pretty good. I think that's a very good unit, especially with the way they can keep blocks off Nick Jackson, the linebacker. You guys you guys probably know a lot, a lot about Nick Jackson at this point in his career. Led the ACC in tackles a year ago. The secondary, which I thought was going to have some big-time questions going into the season, has been pretty good with Anthony Johnson, the cornerback, leading the way. Had the interception on the second play of the game against the Illini. So to me, I think that defense has really come together pretty nicely. Now, they're going to be tested more this season and once again in an ACC play. And I think even this weekend... Uh, with, with, with the quarterback and receiver at Old Dominion, Ali Jennings leads the country in receiving yards. To me, that, that it's a player, Zach Koontz, the tight end, six foot eight, right? That's going to be a very, very tough player uh, to guard against. That those, those players will test the secondary a little more than they've been tested to this point. But so far, so good for UVA, which was not good on defense last year. Cost them games. Now, you just mentioned Zach and the tight end position. Uh the Cavalier defense last game, the tight end hurt them a little bit, didn't it? Yeah, they they gave up. It's funny, I wrote about that a little bit today uh, after after Virginia's media availability. UVA gave up the two touchdowns that allowed were, were the tight ends. Two offensive touchdowns they gave up. One was on a 39 touchdown pass from from Tommy DeVito to Michael Marquise, and that was after uh, that was after a play off fake. UVA got got bit bit in and sucked in on the run a little bit, and then Illinois hit them over the top, and then. The other one came in the red zone from, from DeVito to tip Ryman. I think it was a two-yard play for a touchdown. But, yeah, that's something they're going to have to be aware of. And Antonio Clary, their safety, was saying that it's kind of like practicing against Jelani Woods, right? You guys remember Jelani Woods was a was a third-round pick of the Indianapolis Colts from Virginia last year. Clary Woods was like six foot Woods, – Woods is like six foot seven. And Clary was like, yeah, I had a lot of practice reps against him going to be a very similar situation with with Koontz you know you got to play physical and you can't let those those big guys bully you around a little bit so I think that's one of the intriguing matchups how does UVA guard 
a tight end of that size. Well, I'm really interested in seeing what happens because Zach has had a bit of a slow start this year. Yeah. He had 70-something catches last year, a ton of yards, and it's, I think it's really important to get him involved in the offense. So it'll be interesting to see because I know both sides of the equation here. You know, UVA really wants to shut him down, and I know ODU really wants to get him going. So the past two weeks, he's been bracketed the whole game, and the opposition basically said, uh, we'll let Ali beat us because they're le- leaving him in one-on-one situations a lot of the time. And he's not a guy you can really do one-on-one against. And that's why he leads um, the country receiving yards. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's it's kind of hurt his productivity because he's only getting a handful of targets a game because he's always in double coverage. Is it's that totally something good. that the UVA coaches have said they'll be doing this week? Or how I, are they keying in on him? We'll find out a little bit more tomorrow when, when – Defensive coordinator John Radzinski speaks. I'm sure that, that's when we'll learn a little bit about how they plan to slow both Koontz and Jennings. My guess, they they played some zone last week against Illinois, right? They're not as much man-to-man. Uh, so I assume that, you know, they're not going to change their defense for any particular reason. But, you know, Virginia's cornerbacks, Anthony Johnson and, and Fentrell Cypress, Johnson the veteran, six career picks, Fentrell Cypress kind of kind of in his first well, he's healthy, right? He started games last year, but he's healthy now. They're going to have to do a good job on Jennings and and, and really figure that out. While the middle of defense, I'm sure, has to stop Coons, you know, <laughs> whether whether it's one of the linebackers or ends up matched up with a safety. I think those, those are really tough matchups just because, you know, he, he's bigger than everybody and he's probably faster than most linebackers. Yeah, on their own by themselves, it's a really tough matchup. But like we, so we talked a lot about the passing game. How are they on run defense? They've given up some chunk plays in the run game. Not 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 terrible in week one against Richmond. Really not bad considering the competition this past Saturday in Champaign, right? Chase Brown, the nation's leading rusher, is there running back in Illinois. When you when you think of Brett Bielam a football, gosh, he's he's got that team with his full identity already. Downhill offensive lineman, bully ball basically. And and they did, they held up. Right. And, and and when Brown broke, looked like he was going to break a run in the, in the in the opening quarter, they stripped the ball away from him. Uh, so I think they did a good job of, of gang tackling and getting to the ball. There were some large gains before that happened at times, but I think they, they they've been better against the run. Than they've been in the past. Of course, they want to they want to see some more upgrades in that department, too, though. So I'll add this for ODU fans. You will recognize the defense. It will look very similar. The scheme, at least, will look very similar to ODU and ECU, you guys are running a 3-4 base that can transform into a 4-2-5, correct? Yeah, I I guess it really depends how you define it, is is how you determine what that edge player is, right? Do you you see him as an outside linebacker? Do you see him as a a defensive end? Sometimes he's got his hand in the dirt. Other times he's standing up. But it is the same player, mostly in that what UVA calls it the bandit position. Some teams call it a spur or a star. UVA terms it the bandit position. That's either Chico Bennett or Jack Camper. And I think, to, to me, it feels more like a 4-2-5. That's what it feels like to me. But I think by definition, they like to call it a 3-4. I, I think it's more of a 4-2-5, but, you know, they, they're out there. I'll let the, you know, fans can figure out and determine and coin it however they want. We call ours a four two five, so we've seen plenty of it. We we've loved it so far at ODU. We had it the last year under Bobby, and that was when we first started seeing kind of a turn. Yeah, 
of the defense. And the last last year and this year, we were really happy with the, the defense in the four two five. So uh, moving on to special teams. Last year, ODU made a bit of a name for itself on that side of the ball. Oh yeah. And last week, we showed that skill quite a bit, blocking two extra point attempts. What can you tell us about the UVA special teams core and how they plan to stifle the ODU side? Yeah, new special teams coordinator for Virginia. Most of the staff is new, uh, but but Keith Gaither is the special teams coordinator. And, and I think their their schemes are good. They're playing a lot of starters on the special teams. Now, what's interesting is they've they've had some some interesting moments uh, on special teams, particularly this past Saturday against Illinois when Billy Kemp fumbled a punt return. Uh, he was trying to make a play deep in his own end zone, deep in, you know, deep in his own territory, lost the ball, ball rolled into the end zone. Illinois player jumped on it, touchdown and a lead for, for Illinois that they never gave up. So there, there are some issues there on special teams for Virginia. I think good, good news is for UVA is their punter, Daniel Sparks, a transfer from Minnesota who did a nice job uh, before getting hurt this past Saturday. Looks like he'll be okay. At least that's what Elliot had said. So that'll be good for them. They they need him. He he landed two punts inside Illinois' ten and really helped UVA win the battle of field position early. I think as far as as far as slowing Old Dominion special teams and limiting the big plays that Old Dominion can create on special teams, it's going to be stressed all week at Virginia. Uh, Tony Elliott mentioned it. He's aware of what ODU has done on special teams with the block kicks and you know ability. To, to make some uh, have touchdowns, right? And you Old Dominion had a couple of touchdowns on special teams last year. Who was it last year? Didn't they? Marion, Marion James, yeah. AC White, right? Was that another one? I'm trying to oh, think block that. it. Yeah, blocking, yeah. blocking yeah. a kick. Yeah, yeah. B- before he transferred, right? Yeah. We led the country in block kicks last year. Yeah. So to me, yeah, to me, it's like it's it's got to be stress, and players have to understand. I, I think UVA will be on alert, right? After you lose, you're typically more, there's a little bit more heightened awareness, urgency. So I think UVA will be, you know, be ready to take on the challenge that Old Dominion presents in the special teams department. So you, you mentioned the punter's injury and how he'll probably play. Are there any other injury concerns in this game? Yeah, Darius Bratton, safety, started week one, didn't play this past week. He's dealing with a bone bruise, high ankle sprain. I uh, don't know whether or not he'll play, but th- when Tony Elliott said it today, he, he was saying he was hoping it's not long-term. So I don't know exactly where that leaves Bratton in terms of Saturday. My guess would mean probably not, uh, but they, they they have some other safeties they trust. Jonas Sanker, uh, Clary, who I already talked about a little bit. So I, I think they'll be okay at that position. But other than that, they came out of Illinois pretty clean, pretty healthy. So that that is a good sign for Virginia. Besides the quarterback position, who's the one dude on offense that Old Dominion fans should be worried about? Probably Wicks, Dontavian Wicks, receiver for Virginia. He he he's had a rough, slow start. You know, he he, he caught for over a thousand yards last year, set the school's all-time record. Uh, for receiving yards in a season, but he's had some drops early this season. He probably should have caught a touchdown last this past Saturday at Illinois. The ball went right through. His, it would have been a tough catch, but the ball hit his hands and went through his hands. So I'm sure there, there's some motivation there for for Wicks to get back on track. Big part of this UVA offense, and and he had a fumble in week one. So a slow start. I'm sure he he's anxious and eager. 
to to get it righted and get 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 back to what he did last year and the productivity he had. All right, let's talk about a little bit of fun stuff, a little bit of non-football stuff here. <laughs> so we all know about the corner, we know about Main Street and the brewery scene in Charlottesville. But for ODU fans making the trip there that don't have tailgating plans, where should they go for pregame? Ooh, interesting. See, I'm I'm still kind of new, so I I probably will tell you the wrong places, right? I've only eat I haven't eaten at a ton of places in Charlottesville yet. One place I actually ate today was Moe's Barbecue, not too far from John Paul Jones Arena. That that was pretty good. Then there's also Wahiro's, which is a kind of a Cuban sandwich type place. Very, very good food. So to me, you know, Charlottesville's got great food all around. Brewery scene is is excellent, as you said. You can find a beer anywhere. So, I, you know, I'm sure Old Dominion fans will have no problem finding something. All right. Well, we're staying overnight. We have plans, but others might not dinner spot post game i was told to avoid the corner post game because it's just going to turn to a, a nightclub area for college kids so clearly downtown is probably the way to go right i i would think so there, there's plenty of restaurants i'm sure you'll be able to find something that would be my guess i i, I should have got my my colleague mike barber on the phone to tell you where to go he's, he's big into to all the food scenes well, I, yeah i can vouch for three notched Oh yeah, restaurant. very good. South Street Brewery is a pretty relaxed atmosphere for a post game breakfast. I was going to say that you've got two choices here: Tip Top or Bodos. See, I I'm going to be honest. I'm from Jersey, and Bodos. Yeah, I know. I know you're going to have a very high bagel quality. That Bodos. It's the might- water, man. It's the water. It is the water. You're exactly right. You know, to me, it, Bodo's is fine. It does it, it does an adequate job, I guess. And people in Charlottesville probably not like me for saying that, but it's not a jersey. It's not a jersey bagel. It's good. It's good. It's a great substitute. But tip top. I haven't been there yet. You're missing out. It's it's pretty classic diner breakfast place, okay. but it's, it's awesome. It's over on Pantops. Okay. Definitely try it out sometime when you have a free morning. Yeah, we'll do. All right, so Charlottesville, it's obviously a really scenic area. It's beautiful in Charlottesville, lots, especially as we get closer to October and, and November. Is there an outdoor activity that, uh, like you said, you haven't been there that long, but is there an act- outdoor activity, maybe an arboretum or a botanical garden that you would suggest that fans take time out of their weekend, maybe on the back, you know, on the way back to the 757 that they could check out? See, I was going to say, if, if you keep going west a little bit and you add about 10 miles, 10, 15 miles past Charlottesville, you can get the Skyline Drive, right? You can get the Skyline Drive in Shenandoah National yep. Park, which, you know, you, you can't go wrong with that this time of year. The beautiful mountain views, do some hiking. So to me, if, if you've got the time and you're, you're trekking all the way from Norfolk, you know, you, you can you can have some fun and, and get some relaxation into this trip if you head if you head if you head west a little bit further than Charlottesville. Not not too much, but stay on 64 for another 10, 15 miles and then you'll hit it. All right, Greg. So a lot has changed since ODU and UVA last met in 2019. Yeah. That is a painful performance for a lot of ODU fans, especially that fourth down attempt that eats at us quite a bit. <laughs> I can tell. Uh, but we got two new coaching staffs yeah. since that game. Completely different roster. Obviously, ODU beat a team that UVA has struggled to beat over the last couple of decades in Virginia Tech. 
How are, are UVA fans coming into this game confident, nervous, or a little bit of both? I think with what the Sunbelt Conference has done as a whole, put, puts everybody on alert, right? I mean, gosh, Appalachian State going to Texas A&M, Marshall going to Notre Dame, uh, and, and Georgia Southern ending the uh, Scott Frost ever at Nebraska, and plus what, what Old Dominion did the first week against Virginia Tech on that Friday night down in the 757. Man, yeah, you gotta you can't just look at it as, as an easy game on a schedule. It's a, it's a it's a real football game. You better strap up and be ready to play. Uh, otherwise, you will get beat, right? Old Dominion has talented players. You know, Ali Jennings started his career at West Virginia. was a big-time, big-time recruit coming out of high school at Island Springs. And I think that's one thing, too, that's not lost, right? When you have these in-state games, the kids tend to know each other a little bit. I know Virginia's roster isn't isn't probably as, as full of Virginia kids as Old Dominion's is, but you know they still have players that played at the same high schools or rival high schools. They, they know how you know, how close the talent level is. So I, I think in terms of the team, they won't take it lightly. If you're a fan, though, and you've missed what the Sun Belt has done uh, to this point this year uh, and what Old Dominion has done, right? They had a great win week one against Virginia Tech, played a much improved East Carolina team under Mike Houston, the former James Madison coach, and, and played tough there. If you're not paying attention to what, what they've done, especially – uh, toward the end of last year when they rattled off, what, all those six six straight wins to get to a bowl game. You know, it, 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 it's, it, that's bad. You got to know this is a good football team coming in Charlottesville. All right. So the spread on this game opened at 12. It's since moved down to 10 and a half. It's nine and a half now, man. Just moved. It did? Yeah, it's nine and a half right now. I like that number a lot. What's your take on how this goes down? Yeah, in terms of, in terms of game, I try to stay away from making a prediction, but – just because with Virginia, gosh, you just don't know what it's going to look like up front from week to week. You know, you, you don't know what you're going to get. They were okay week one against Richmond, but it's lower-level competition. They were bad this past Saturday. And with a young offensive line, it fluctuates, right? If full dominion starts getting pressure early, maybe copy some of the stuff Illinois did, it's going to be a four-quarter game, and, and, and maybe old dominion's one with the lead at the end. So to me, you know, I, I think you got to look at this game as, as a tight matchup. And if you think anything else, you, you're probably thinking wrong. I think it'll be a very good, very competitive game. I do think Virginia, though, it, it knows it has to bounce back, and it's trying not to let you know one loss snowball into another. So I do think Virginia ultimately bounces back with a victory. But, man, it is going to be a tight, competitive football game. Mike, I, I don't know what the percent of money is, but 81% oh, of the bets are on Old Dominion right now. <laughs> 81%. A lot, yeah. a lot of people, but I don't. I don't know overall money, but you know. I, I think a lot of that is that the number just opened up too big. That twelve and a half enticed a lot of bets. Yeah, now we're going to get down to nine and a half, and the money might start going to the UVA side, and it'll balance out a little bit. But it's going to be hard to for them to top that eighty-one percent by the end of the week. Greg, you mentioned the offensive line. We have our own offensive line issues, and hopefully, we can find a solution there. Hopefully, it was just a fact of playing two of the better defenses on our schedule early. But with how you guys have performed, who knows? I mean, you said you're rotating eight. That's going to be a fresh defensive line all game long. Yeah, I think that I think the defensive line is where, where Virginia has an edge. And one of the like I said, one of the reasons why it's defense, I think, has played well early. They're deeper up front. They're a little more athletic on the edge. They can get to the quarterback and 
I think they can affect the way Peyton Wolf throws the football. I, I do think they'll be able to impact the game in that way. Just like I'm sure Old Dominion thinks it can get to Brennan Armstrong a bit. Uh, so so it, it's interesting, you know, you got some of the same strengths, right? Yeah. How, how mobile is Armstrong? Oh, that's that I think is the difference, right? Armstrong can really move and he can get out and escape the pocket. I think one thing that Tony Elliott could do, and he hinted at a little bit post game is use him in some more design quarterback run. There's risk involved in that too, because you don't want to get your starting quarterback hurt. Uh, but if you move Brennan around a little bit, you, you slow down that defense all of a sudden, you freeze that defense all of a sudden, you, you even some numbers up in terms of, in terms of the box. Uh, and then take away that advantage from the defense. So I think that's one thing Virginia could do to alleviate some of its O-line issues. Well, Mike, do you think we're going to see Jason Henderson kind of spying him and following following him wherever he, he roams? Well, I don't, I don't know about Jason. It might be uh, one of the outside backers or a safety. I kept thinking it was going to happen with Ehlers, and it never really did because we were in that zone for most of the game. No, we'll see. Ehlers is obviously a much more consistent runner than Armstrong, so it, it remains to be seen. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting with the, you know the talk about the lines we were just saying because our offensive line seemed to pass block better in this last game than being effective in making any holes for for Blake and the rest of the the running back. So it'll, I, I see that there's we're going to find out pretty early on, I think, on, on who who's happier with the progress between weeks two and three. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. And Virginia averaged only one point four yards per carry last week against Illinois. So I'm sure they're they're looking for better in that department. They ran for over 200 plus yards, 200 plus yards against Richmond. And I'm sure they'd like to get back to that. And that, that could open some things up in the passing game as well. But when you're when you're only averaging 1.4 yards carry, it's it's not great. And I think you could throw Odie's rushing defense stats out the window after the ECU game, because really that was just kind of a, a symptom of the offense not being able to sustain drives. The defense was on the field all game long, and then by the fourth quarter they were just gassed. Yeah, that, so that they start, yeah they just started giving up big runs in the fourth quarter. So I like our defense a lot. But it all depends on how good the offense is playing. So, yeah, Tony Tony Elliott mentioned today how, how athletic he believes some of some old Dominion defenders are. Trey, Trey Hawkins, I think, stands out the most, right? The cornerback, six, six yeah. foot three, and and pretty good there in the back end. Yeah, him, Arteria, Jason Henderson has been a monster this season. Hey, I was just going to ask Greg, would you, did you say that the the same thing that Mike was talking about about our defense just getting gassed because? They were on the field so much because we just – every time we scored last week, it was like lightning in a bottle. I mean, we couldn't have any long, sustained drives to give the defense a chance to, to get hydrated and get some breaths. Is the same, did the same thing happen to UVA last week after after those initial, you know, four drives that they were just on the field so much? Or They, they did a really good job, I thought, the defense, all things considered, because Virginia had, had some – just horrendous three and outs that were quick and they were right back on the field of defense, but, but they played through all four quarters really well. Illinois had a couple of two missed field goals in the second half. Uh, so maybe the score could have been, it <laughs> could have been what 30 to three or 27 to three, but the defense never quit. I, I'll give them credit. They, they never stopped quitting. They never stopped trying, excuse me. And uh, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of credibility that comes with that. 
uh, that, you know, when your, your offense isn't producing, that you're still going out there and trying to give them chances uh, against a, a physical Illinois team, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's big boy type football, big 10 physicality. And I, I think to me that that's, that's, one of the impressive things about Saturday's performance is they, they didn't they didn't slow down there in the second half just because the game was out of hand. They kept playing. Nick Jackson, the linebacker, was in the middle of things. Was sec- I think he had the second most tackles this past Saturday. Lex Long, the safety, was really good. At Clary was really good. Just never stopped playing. And, and I think the defensive line depth helps because they can roll guys in and out, and they're not getting gassed. And when you keep those guys fresh, the rest of the defense kind of play behind them. All right, well, we really appreciate you joining us tonight, Greg. Uh, other than the Daily Progress, where can people find you? Yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter at Greg Medea and read all the stuff, dailyprogress.com. Awesome. Thanks again for joining us. Yeah, thanks thanks for having me, Aaron and Michael. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I was just going to say, I realize that we don't have a game scheduled in Norfolk until 2028, but We'll have the open invite for you to come to our tailgate. (laughs) Let's hope newspapers. Yeah, let's hope the newspapers are still still churning out at that time. If not, I'm sure you'll bob and weave and figure out what the the media of the day is. Yeah, you can just follow. You just can follow Andy's lead and join the athletic. Well, I'm I'm happy at the newspaper. Happy, glad, glad I'm there. So uh, yeah, happy. But uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Go Monarchs. Go Monarchs.